Hello and welcome to the Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Quiz Kids, brought to you by the makers of Alka-Seltzer and one-a-day brand vitamins. Can you name at least one other Bob Murphy besides the one on this program? Say, I, I like that first question for the Quiz Kids tonight, Joe. Uh, can you answer it? Well, I wonder if our five school kids will know. We'll find out pretty quickly because here they are, the Quiz Kids. And tonight, folks, we'll also find out if the Quiz Kids are chips off the old block. The Quiz Kids observe Father's Day by cheerfully giving up their school desks to their own fathers during the last question session. And uh, <clears throat> here's the man who'll try to keep two generations of quiz kids in line, our chief quizzer himself, Joe Kelly. Thank you, Bob Murphy, and good evening, everyone. And happy Father's Day to you five gentlemen who are twitching in the front row. <laughs> Don't you think it's sweet and generous of the quiz kids to give up some of their questions for you tonight? Well, we'll begin with the children, you know, the, the easy questions that you fathers wouldn't want to bother with. And we'll save the really good ones for you later. And now, quiz kids, let's hear what you have to say for yourselves. Patrick? I'm Patrick Owen Common, and I'm nine years old and in fourth grade at the, at the Fort Dearborn School. Harvey? I'm Harvey Bennett Fishman. I'm 15 years old, and I'm a junior at the South Shore High School in Chicago. Ruthie? I'm Ruthie Duskin. I'm 12 years old because I had a birthday Thursday. Well, happy birthday, Ruthie. Thank you. And um, I'm in the ninth grade at U High. Joel? Uh, well, I'm Joel Kupperman. I'm 10 years old and five years in the Volt School in Chicago, Illinois. And Richard. I am Richard Leitzker. I'm six years old, and I go to the 1A at the Shakespeare School. Well, now, you've heard your first question from E.P. Sheck of Newark, New Jersey. Can you name at least one other Bob Murphy besides the one on this program? Harvey? Well, uh, there's a Bob Murphy who's the organizer of the uh, baseball guild and who's been having some adventures with the Pittsburgh Ball Club. And then there's a Bob Murphy, who's the sports editor of, I think, one of the Detroit papers. I think it's the news. And then there's a, a Bob Murphy, who's a racehorse, who ran in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Joel. I think there's a Bob Murphy in the uh, 
that the chief, that the justice in the Supreme Court. I know there is a Murphy, but I don't know what Bob. Uh, well, now let's see. Harvey, his first name is Frank. Frank, that's right. Frank Murphy. So naturally, he wouldn't count. All right. Well, that gets us off to a nice start. Here's the next question. Charles F. Minister of Fairport, Ohio, points out that many famous men started in one profession and ended up in another. Who started out making an early type of prefabricated home in Persia and became a poet? Joel? I think it was Omar Khayyam. Omar Khayyam, that's right, Joel. That's correct. Who started as a mathematician and became a children's author? Joel? Uh, would it be Charles Dodgson, the author? And what His name was Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. And he wrote Elf in Wonderland. That's right. Wonderland. That's right. All right, tell me this. Who started as a dishwasher in a sorority house and became an engineer? All right, uh, Ruthie. I think it's one of the five fathers there. <laughs> and I forget which one. <laughs> <laughs> Ruthie, you're very warm. <laughs> Harvey. Mr. Fishman? Huh? No, I, I'll, I'm pretty sure it wasn't my dad. I think it was Mr. Copperman. That's who it was, was Joel's father, Mr. Copperman. <laughs> Yes, sir, that was at the University of Illinois in 1919, and is Mr. Copperman's face red? <laughs> well, that's all right. We're just having fun. You know, I've always been surprised that uh, none of your fathers became professional singers. Their voices are so good. We'll all have a chance to hear them on this question from Doris Turner of Chicago. With uh, Mr. Conlon taking the lead... The five fathers will sing two songs that mention a month of the year. You children must give a poetic quotation mentioning the same month. All right, Mr. Conlon, lead off on the first one. While strolling through the park one day, in the merry, merry month of May, I was taken by surprise. By a pair of rogues while strolling through the park one day. Pretty close harmony there, fellas. Harvey? Well, there's one that goes, I'm to be queen of the May, mother. I'm to be queen of the May. That's the idea. <laughs> Pat? Well, there's one called Song on a May Morning, I believe, and it says, Hail Bonsus May, that doth inspire youth and mirth and warm desire. That's very, very good, Patrick. Do uh, you have another one? I believe there's one in the month by Sarah Coldridge, and it starts out, January brings the snow, makes our cheeks and fingers roll. And then it goes on... Well, of course, now you mentioned January there, and... Uh, well... All right, go ahead. Are you going to bring in the month of May? Oh, yes. It's oh, my. They I have all the months. Well, I just wanted... Oh, okay. well, them. I just wanted to start them out. Oh, I And see. then it says, uh, April brings us primrose sweet, scattered daisies at our feet. And I believe it says, uh, May brings lots of, sweet, of uh, little lambs and skipping by their sweetie dams. Well, that's very, very good, thank you. Mr. Conlon, let's uh, have a second, and I'm sure it will be even better than the first. By the light, the light. of the silvery moon, <laughs> of the silvery moon, I want to spoon. 
Very, very good, Ruthie Harvey. Oh, I thought it was what is so rare as a day in June. Well, of course, if you want to be technical, <laughs> Anyhow, Harvey. <laughs> on that last song, I thought June was busting out all over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly was, Patrick. Well, that one I mentioned, The Monks by Sarah Coleridge, I can't think of the quotation, but uh, since there is all of them in there, uh, you can count. Well, I'm sure June is in there. Oh, yeah. But we won't start with January, will we? <laughs> and now, everybody get in on this question. Can you identify this sound effect? Oh, that's easy. That's the sound we hear a lot around our house. That's Alka-Seltzer. Sure, it's Alka-Seltzer. It's a sound that means quick comfort when anyone in your home has an occasional headache or a touch of acid indigestion. It's a sound that you home gardeners better get acquainted with, too, because the day after you've been weeding the tomato patch, your muscles are liable to kick up an awful fuss. And there's a special pain-relieving ingredient in Alka-Seltzer that means quick comfort for muscular aches and pains. Keep plenty of Alka-Seltzer in your home. Next time you're in the drugstore, buy an extra package. Yes, instead of one, buy two. That's the wisest thing to do. Well, now, Joe, we've heard Alka-Seltzer fizz, so let's get on with the uh, classroom quiz. Oh, I will do that little thing right now, Robert. This question comes from Mrs. Harold L. Gorker of Baltimore, Maryland. What did $1 less than the maturity value of the smallest Series E war bond buy for Peter Minuit? Harvey? Well, that would be $24, and that bought him the island of Manhattan for $24 in trinkets and beads. That is absolutely India. right. Now, Manhattan Island, he paid $24 for it. Uh, that is, uh, in trinkets, uh, the equivalent to $24. Uh, Pat? Well, I was going to say, he, uh, he told the Indians it was a fortune. I suppose in those days it was fortune. Oh, it certainly was. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I don't think you'd consider it a fortune now. <laughs> no, not now. Not nowadays, Patrick. Well, now, this Bible question comes from Dora Dean Orr of Mount Enterprise, Texas. I will name all of the main characters in a famous Bible story except one. You children are to supply the missing person. All right, now listen. Ahasuerus, Vashti, Esther, Haman, and Pat. Mordecai. Mordecai. He, that's was, he was after Esther's uncle. That's right. All right, now listen. Listen closely. Martha, Jesus, Mary, and whom? Ruthie. Uh, wasn't that John? No. No. Martha, Jesus, Mary, and whom? Pat. Lazarus. Lazarus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And here's the last part of the question. Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar... Meshach and Harvey Shadrach. Shadrach, that's right. Here's a tall order from Leo J. Plonsky of New Orleans, kids. He wants a description of your fathers, but to make it really tough, he wants you to describe your father in a sentence that contains the name of one or more magazines. Let's see what you can do with that. 
Well, little Patrick Conlon has his hand up first. All right, Patty. Well, I'd say my father is full of life. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the same thing. <laughs> yes, sir, he certainly is. He's a fine fellow. Ruthie? Well, I'm going to make mine out speak out. I'd say that life and time have made him uh, very much like an esquire. Well, that's very, very clever, Ruthie. That's real sweet. Harvey? Oh, I could say my dad leads the boy's life. (laughs) 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 All right, Harvey, did you want to add anything to that? His personality is worth a fortune. Oh, I'll say. Joel? Well, my dad's nice and he's not worth time. That's very, very good. Richard, can you can you think of a description of your daddy by using the names of magazines like the rest of the kiddies have given us? You don't have to. I don't imagine you read magazines very much, do you? Huh? Maybe the funny uh, books. <laughs> but let's don't tie Daddy up with a funny book. No, sir. All right. Uh, uh, let's get along here. At the uh, suggestion of M.N. Erickson of Seattle, Washington, we will now hear a short dramatic scene from Shakespeare. I want you kids to try to place the scene in the right play and the right act. Our actors and actresses will be your fathers. The leading role will be played by Mr. Fishman, his father by Mr. Weixler, a courtier by Mr. Copperman, the brother of the hero's sweetheart by Mr. Conlon, the the hero's mother by Mr. Duskin. All right, places, half-life, Curtin Riley. Give him the foil. Cousin, you know the wager? Very well, my lord. Your grace hath laid the odds on the weakest side. I do not fear it. I've seen you both. Come, begin. Nothing, neither way. Have at you now. Nay, come again. He's fat. He's clever, first. Here, take my napkin. Rub thy brow. Madam, by and by. I'll hit him now. Yet it's almost against my conscience. My lady, do not drink. I will, my lord. Look to the queen there. Hold. Oh, villainy. Oh, let the door be locked. Treachery. Seek it out. <laughs> All right, uh, Joel? Uh, well, that was in Hamlet. Hamlet? The dramatic last scene where Hamlet has a duel with Laertes, and Laertes poisons the store and kills him, but in the scuffle with swords. Exchange and Laertes gets killed, and then the mother, the queen, is poisoned by the king. But the poison was intended for Hamlet, but she needed a drink. And Hamlet still hasn't died of the and Hamlet still hasn't died from the effects of the poisoned sword. So he ki- he kills the king, and then he dies. Well, that's very good. Now we have some other hands left up for uh, Pat. Well, uh. The, the queen, uh, Hamlet's sweetheart was Ophelia, and uh, her father was, uh, her, her, uh, no, her father was Polonius, who was stabbed behind the air. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. And uh, Queen Gertrude was uh, the, uh, the one who was poisoned. 
And Claudius was the one who poisoned uh, the drink. Yes, that's right, Pat. He was also the one who, la- who, la- who put Laertes up to poisoning the sword. Mm-hmm, yes. There's some skullduggery going on there. That's uh, no question about that. Harvey? Well, I, wouldn't that uh, be Act 3, Scene 4? No, it's... Uh, Joe gave me the, uh, the... He said the last scene. Now, let's well, clear. What act is that in? What act? Ruthie? Would it be Act 5? Act 5, that's right. The last act. Mm-hmm. Harvey? At any rate, it was really Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, that prompts me to say, after all these, all of the singing by the fathers and this dramatic acting, uh, I just would like to say that uh, I think they're all of them uh, hiding their lights under five bushels. <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's a new type of geography question from Marion G. Moore of Brooklyn, New York. It's called uh, fictional geography. Can you locate the following places? First, the Emerald City. Ruthie. That's in the land of Oz, uh, from the books by L. Frank Baum and uh, uh, Ruth Plumley Thompson. And, uh, she, and uh, the Emerald City is the capital city of Oz. It's right in the middle. That's right. Good girl, Ruthie. Uh, how about the land of counterpane? Ruthie? Well, that's in Robert Louis Stevenson's imagination. And, uh, uh Pat? Well, on the first question, I was going to say that the land of Oz, the road to it, was saved by yellow bricks. Also, I can name some of the books. Well, uh, look, Pat, uh, we're, we're just uh, locating the Emerald City, see? I, I know you can name uh, the books. But, we, you know, like we got started on January a while ago, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> after all, we've got a lot of other questions here, too, so thanks just the same. Um, Harvey? Well, Counterpane was uh, the title of a poem, wasn't it? And didn't it, re- didn't it refer to the bedsheets and... Uh, That's right, from the uh, poem, The Land of Counterpane by Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, however, it still was his imagination, don't you think, as Susan said. <laughs> uh, Valley of Humiliation. Pat? That was in Little Women, I believe. And, uh, I believe, uh... No. No, you're wrong. Oh, in, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress, eh? I know, uh, they mentioned it in there, too. You what? Uh, they mentioned that, uh, I believe there's a chapter called Amy's Valley of Humiliation in there. And, uh, I naturally thought of that. But, uh, uh, I believe that is, uh, what it was. The what? I, I, I believe it was the Pilgrim's Progress, yes. Well, it was Pilgrim's Progress. I must check that other book, though, to make sure on that. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, quiz kids, that's all for you tonight. It's a two-bell show, one for you and one for your fathers. And even though you participated only part-time, you each get a $100 saving bond from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. And now then, it's time to bring Dad up for his share of the limelight, and you quiz kid fathers will have to go some to beat the brain work your children showed us this evening. And now, while our fathers are squeezing in behind those little school desks, here's Bob Murphy. I'd like to talk to that lady who spoke up when we heard the Alka-Seltzer fizz a few minutes ago. Uh, you said that was a familiar sound in your home. Uh, would you elaborate on that? Well, you see, Mr. Murphy, I just think of Alka-Seltzer as an old family friend. Oh? You see, I have four youngsters, and they're all live wires. I find that it's a lot harder to keep my patience when the children are raising cane and 
All that racket gives me a nervous headache. That makes me a little irritable and impatient. And, of course, I don't want to be that way with the children. Oh, of course not. So I just soothe my headache with an Alka-Seltzer before I attempt any family discipline. Well, I see your point. Having three lively young Murphys at home myself. Folks, I hope you'll all remember that Alka-Seltzer can be helpful in your home, too. Next time you're in the drugstore, buy two packages instead of one. Keep one package of Alka-Seltzer at home and take the other one with you wherever you go. And uh, keep your eye on that supply. When your tablets get down to four, that's the time to buy some more. Thank you, Bob. And now, fathers, you have a chance to prove, if you can, that the brains came from your side of the family. <laughs> Folks, I now present the senior class, Yale Fishman, accountant and lawyer. Here. Boris Duskin, high school teacher. Here. Patrick Conlon, lawyer. Here. Saul Copperman, engineer. Yeah. Raymond Weixler, railroad conductor. Yeah. All right, now then, uh, let's see whether you fathers have been following the news as closely as your children usually do. When Fred Vinson became Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who succeeded him as Secretary of the Treasury? Mr. Duskin? John Snyder. John Snyder, that is right. And what office did he hold before that? Uh, office of Reconversion and More Mobilization, I think. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, who succeeded Mr. Snyder as director of the Office of War Mobilization and Reconversion? Mr. Weitzler? Paul Porter. No. No. Mr. Copperman? John Steelman. <laughs> no. No, you're both, uh, you're both wrong. All right. Uh... Mr. Fishman? The uh, former OPA director. Um, <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, no, you're wrong also. Uh, Mr. Copperman? John Steelman was nominated. I don't suppose he's been uh, passed by the Senate yet. Well, no, perhaps I'd better tell you. Uh, no one. The office is being discontinued. <laughs> Mr. Copperman? The latest news is that John Steelman was nominated for that office. Well, the latest news that I have is the office of Mr. Snyder will not be abolished immediately, but will be discontinued gradually. Well, you missed that part of the question, so um, um, that uh, means that uh, whoever said I can't find that, now whoever sent that question in gets the big zenith from the makers of Alka-Seltzer. It's a $200 radio phonograph combination with two FM bands and featuring a sensational new way to play records with the Cobra Tone Arm. Mail a good question to Quiz Kids Chicago, and if even if you don't win the big super-duper radio phonograph set for stopping the children, you do get a brand-new Zenith Standard and shortwave clipper portable if we use your question on the show. Now then, fathers, if the wife went away and left you with the kids, Elizabeth Fleming of San Diego wonders if you would choose these ways to amuse the children. Would you give them an SIO2 box, Mr. Duskin? Uh, easily, because SIO2 represents sand, uh, mostly silicon dioxide. That's and right. Sandbox. And the kids would have a fine time in the sandbox. All right. Would you give them uh, some C3H4OH in parentheses? And C O O H taken three times, and some uh, C twelve H twenty two O eleven and H two O. Mr. Duskin, I uh, I think that's um, that was citric acid, I believe. 
And, and what uh, else? The rest is sugar and water, so it, that sounds like lemonade. Lemonade, that's right. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, answer this. Would you give them some CH3, C6, H2, NO2 taken three times, Mr. Duskin? That's TNT. That's right. TNT. That's an explosive. Now then, we're going to find out who are the real mathematicians in your respective households. Kenneth Preston of New York City wants you to suppose your wife told you to take your fishing pole out of the living room and put it in your closet. The closet is four feet wide, three feet deep, and 12 feet high. And the pole is 14 feet long. Could you make your wife happy and put your fishing pole away in the closet? Mr. Copperman? No, the longest dimension in that closet will be 13 feet. That is absolutely right. You couldn't put the 14 feet uh, uh, fishing pole in there. That's absolutely right. Uh, can you explain that a little more? Uh, uh, the, uh, base area is three, talk in the base area is 3 by 4, and the diagonal of that would be 5. And then you have another right angle triangle with the one foot leg at 5 and the other leg at 12, and the hypotenuse of that would be 13, yeah. which would be from the front right-hand corner to the front right-hand lower corner to the top left-hand rear corner, and that would be 13 feet, and that's the longest dimension in the closet. Yes, that would be quite a job getting that forward there. All right, thank you, Mr. Copperman. Now, uh... Here's a very personal question from Helen McLean of Portland, Oregon. She wants to know whether your wives pick out your clothes for you. Mr. Duskin? I'm glad to, I'm glad to say she does. Mine does. Uh, Mr. Duskin uh, picks out your clothes. Do yes. you uh, help pick out your wife's clothes? When she lets me. <laughs> when she lets you. Well, how about the rest of you fathers? Mr. Fishman? No, I do my own selecting. You do? And uh, how about helping uh, Mrs. Fishman uh, select her clothes? I like to, but she doesn't want me to. Oh, she does? Uh-huh. Well, how about the rest of you? Mr. Copperman? Well, I choose my own clothes, but my wife seems to think that she likes to have me along when she buys hers. I see. Uh-huh. Mr. Conlon? My wife doesn't select my clothes, but I think Mrs. Duskin from now on will be selecting Mr. Duskin's clothes in as much as he's playing feminine parts in Hamlet. <laughs> <the queen. laughs> That's very cute. How, how do things work out like that in your family, Mr. Weitzer? Well, as a rule, uh, I pick out my own clothes, except when she gives me a gift of clothing, but frequently I help my wife pick out her clothing. Oh, you do? She thinks I have a very good taste in feminine clothing. <laughs> well, good for you. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Well, that's the last bell, fathers, and all I have to say is, like father, like son. <laughs> now, I suppose all you fathers would like to know how you did as grown-up quiz kids. Well, who's a better judge of that than the quiz kids themselves? 
We'll leave it up to them. Come on, quiz kids. You each get one vote to decide the winning quiz kid father. And the winner gets the traditional uh, Father's Day gift, this snappy polka dot necktie. <laughs> All right, Richard, uh, who do you vote for? My father. You vote for your father, you know. Well, what do you know about that? That's fake. And Harvey? Well, I vote for my father, too. You do. <laughs> and, uh, Joel, who do you think was best? Well, I think my father. <laughs> well. And Ruthie? Well, I think that they were all good, but I think that one called Mr. Duskin was bad. No. And uh, how about your votes, uh, Patrick? Well, I say my father was bad. It was the best one because of the singing. Oh, because of the singing? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we're going to have to call this a five-way tie, I guess. <laughs> but I'm not going to cut this good-looking necktie into five pieces, gentlemen. Just in case something like this would happen, we came prepared with five Father's Day neckties. All of them identical, so you fathers wouldn't quarrel over them or anything like that. Our quiz kids, I, I think your voting was absolutely fair and square, because every kid knows his own daddy best. And uh, I want to, to thank you quiz kid fathers for helping us celebrate Father's Day so appropriately. Say, uh, Joe, you're not forgetting the quiz kids just because their fathers were so much fun. Uh, what about tonight's winners? Well, all in good time, Robert. The judges did their computing on the quiz kids' scores as usual, and uh, here's the decision. Uh, the judges say you quiz kids in your part of the show. Uh, well, uh, you missed no questions. Uh, Patrick was first, Harvey second, and Ruthie and Joel tied for third. So, with you four children in next week's classroom will be Ronald Fogel, age 12. This is Joe Kelly dismissing the Quiz Kids class until the same time next week. Good night, kids. Good night, Mr. Kelly. Good night, fathers. Good night, Mr. Kelly. Listen to the Quiz Kids every Sunday and to your old friends, Lum and Abner, every Monday through Thursday. Now, folks, the 4th of July weekend is coming up pretty soon, and I suppose you're planning a family outing for the holiday. Well, listen, when you're starting on that trip, put Alka-Seltzer in your grip. Instead of one, next time buy two. It's the wisest thing to do. Traveling often causes trouble, so buy Alka-Seltzer by the double. Acid indigestion might irritate you late at night, or maybe you'll be kept awake when tired muscles pain and ache. If those discomforts bring you grief, try Alka-Seltzer for relief. Two packages instead of one will help ensure your weekend fun. This is Bob Murphy speaking, and this is ABC's The American Broadcasting Company.